It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. From upstairs studio, studio via Zoom. Nicole Halton, how you doing, Nicole? I am great. I'm great all the way down here in the hot place. It's like the depths of hell at the moment. <laughs> I was going to say the hot place. I was wondering what had happened to you. No, no, it's just like ridiculously hot. <laughs> well, I hope your hope your face doesn't melt off or anything. So we were. I think it'll be okay. We were messaging a couple of days ago about topics, and you uh, you mentioned you had the had a had a had a good one that came up with uh, with the kids when you were out on uh, on a family adventure. So uh, yes. tell me about it. Let's dig into it. So we have friends with a sheep farm, which is so very Australian. We do have friends with a sheep farm, and we spent the time that lovely nobody knows what day it is time between Christmas and New Year. We spent that on the sheep farm. We did the same thing the year before, actually, but it poured rain the whole time we were there, so it wasn't as pleasant. Um, this time around, it was great. It was a little bit chilly, but it so, was okay. So how, how many sheep? Uh, well, it's I think there's not as many as there used to be. I think there's about 150. There used to be more, but then we went through a couple of years of really bad drought. They had to sell off a lot of their sheep because oh. they couldn't feed them, so it was like really bad drought okay so this isn't one of those out west sheep branches where there's a hundred and fifty thousand no this is small this is small so this is about 500 acres i have absolutely no idea what that converts to in size <laughs> not a clue i wouldn't even know where to start even how big that is but are, it's big. Are, are these are these eaten sheep or wearing sheep they're wearing sheep well i suppose they could possibly be eating sheep too but they shear them so my husband actually went up a few weeks ago or before, just before Christmas he went up and like they were shearing the sheep he was going to have a go but then he watched the professional shearer have a go and he's like yeah he's he just made that sheep bleed I'm not having a go <laughs> so he passed on that um so yes they are mainly wearing sheep um so yeah there's a 150-ish sheep and other than that there's not much else there's lots of place to just play and climb trees and swim in the dam and all of those sorts of things so that's what we did for a couple of days but my two girls began a game which at first I had a moment of oh should I be letting them do this and then I had another moment of I'm actually reclined in the hammock with a book and I really don't mind that much um so I'm not sure if this is like tapping into my inner uh, risk-friendly educator or just my inner lazy parent I'm not sure yet so you be the judge I'll be the judge um, so 
but we'd had the fire going and the fire was still going but it was a small fire so sometimes when we're up there we have a raging bonfire going for days um, this was just a small campfire that we cooked our lunch on and um and it's in the same place every time and there's it's like basically a large dirt patch where the fire is so there's no grass around it there's kind of no issue of them setting the place on fire but they started playing in the fire they started burning the end of their stick and so then they burned the end of the stick and then they dug like little holes in the dirt and that was where they put the stick out so they'd catch the stick on fire so it had a flame on the end and then they'd have to bury it in the hole of dirt to put it out and so they did that for a while and there was a whole game associated with it which I didn't really understand and wasn't really bothered by um, but then they started turning the stick they realized that once they burnt the sticks for a long period of time they turned almost into like a charcoaly kind of substance and then they started breaking that off and using it as like loose parts in a shop you know this is the money and this is the whatever and um and yes we did have two three burns i think they were all minor <laughs> but we did have we did have three burning incidents <laughs> but not one child complained because they were all just part of the game and they knew that it was part of the game it was a risk that they were taking so they were prepared for it and they dealt with it were they i gotta ask about these burns were these uh, self-inflicted burns or were these uh sibling on sibling burns i think one might have been self-inflicted but the others were definitely sibling on sibling and it was more so a case of turning around with a flaming stick in their hand mm -hmm. and so they'd spin around and someone would be walking past and you know cop a little flaming stick to the leg <laughs> it's just an important I mean, part of play <laughs> i mean as one does when one's playing with fire this um, is true look i think this is an amazing bit of play and I'm, I'm guessing it's probably not original to your daughters. My my guess my guess is that human children have been playing versions of this game around fire for oh I don't know as long as there have been human children next to next to fire or or even proto human children because I mean <laughs> our ancestors what started using fire what 125,000 years ago or so. And so even even our, our proto-human ancestor uh, children were, were playing variations of this game, I'm sure, because fire, fire is fascinating and amazing. And when you get to play with it, you feel powerful and capable. And, and so I think that's a massive part of what it is. It's that feeling powerful and feeling trusted. I think that was a huge part of it. It was feeling that we're actually trusted to be around the fire because you know, for years, our family's always camped and, you know, we've always been, had campfires. And so, you know, our children have grown up really used to that, but there's always been kind of parameters around that about where you sit when you're at the campfire and, you know, how you get from one place to another. You have to go around the back of the chairs sure. and, you know, those sorts of things because particularly uh, it, was, it was always a part of it for us, but it became an even bigger part uh, when my middle child was about maybe two and she actually came, we'd started the campfire early in the day. Usually we started it sort of as it was getting dark, but we'd started it a bit earlier because it was um, quite cold where we were. And so we'd got the campfire started and she'd gone into my mum and dad's tent. And before she went in, the campfire wasn't going. When she came out, the campfire was going, but she ran barefoot 
across the same direction that she'd come before where there was no fire and all of a sudden there was fire um and so we were really lucky she stood just in the edge of it we managed to grab her really quickly and get her into the um under the tap and she didn't have any major burns or anything but that moment gave us a big oh we need to be super careful you know with them around fire and I mean she tells that story now she can't Mm -hmm. possibly remember it I don't believe but she tells that story all the time um and yeah like I think you kind of go through this stage of being really cautious with children around fire and then as they get a bit older I mean mine are like six and eight and eleven so you know they're that bit older now that we kind of give them just a little more and a little more and a little more and it's like actually this is pretty safe. Like, yes, you might get a burn, but it's going to be a fairly insignificant kind of burn. You're not catching on fire. Um, <laughs> look, it could have happened, I suppose, but no, it wasn't happening. Um, but, yeah, it's, I don't know, I think it's just that as they get a bit older and they start to see that you can give them just that little bit more trust, there is that power in that. And I think it's a it's a special level of trust, Nicole. It's not a, you can have my trust as long as you're perfect. It's yeah. a, it's a level of trust that says, Hey, you get my trust, even if you burn yourself a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's a whole, that's, that's, that's like next level trust. And look, look, don't, I can't tell you there wasn't a part of me that when the first child got burnt, wanted to say, I told you, I told you this could happen and let's call it off now. Like before something goes wrong, you're like there's that little part of you that goes, oh, maybe I should stop this. Mm-hmm. But I actually think part of what works there where we were is we're alone on a farm, like where it's just my husband and I and the kids and there's no one else there watching, questioning, judging whether that's a good decision or not. And so it was just up to us whether this felt like a good parenting choice. You know, I think so much of what we do as parents, but even as educators, there's always other people around to make a, a judgment on whether that's safe enough or whether we're you know, giving them a little too much trust or whether we're putting them too much in harm's way. And I think when that's taken away, you actually start to make some different decisions. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and... Look, I think the the trust, how do I say this? I'm guessing when they burnt themselves, they realized, hey, that wasn't a great move. Um, it wasn't a great move, but they also didn't make a big deal out of it. And yeah. I think part of that was because they went, if we make a big deal out of it, maybe we won't be able to continue. So sure. it was like, you saw them kind of go, ow, like that hurt just a little, they brush it off and it's like, all right, we'll continue on. And, you know, I think that was a big part of that was actually we don't want this to stop and so we'll just continue on with it. And I'm like, I don't know what would happen if we'd have had a serious injury. I hope that they would have said, actually, no, I'm on fire. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. They Once they got going and didn't yeah. want to stop that game, it's like, well, we just accept that we might get injured. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> just you, in a small way. You trusting them enough to manage that themselves without having to, having to do the whole "I told you so" thing is is that 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 next level trust. But it's also a great teaching tool because yeah. they they're I mean what they're gonna if if you come in with the "I told you so," then that turns on mom nag, and <laughs> I, I'm sure there are people that that learn valuable things through mom nag in their lives. I I I. I, I 
I, I don't, I, I've never found it to be a gr really great teacher, but the, the self-assessment was, oh, hey, maybe we need to slow down a little bit and pay a little bit more attention because I don't want, I don't want to get the, uh, the hot stick on my thigh again yeah, is, exactly. is, is a great, is a great learning tool. And, and look, I totally had this the other day and I'm, I'm not camping on a sheep farm. I was, <laughs> I was taking, look, I was taking a cheesecake out of the oven um because you know i like to uh to make my lady a cheesecake now and then because that's just of course the kind you of, do. a kind of romantic it's just the kind guy of guy you are. <laughs> except except and i've complained about this in the podcast before and again i haven't done anything to fix it uh, a couple years ago i got these these really neat um uh uh what is that um the the rubbery stuff oh the, the silicon the, i have the heard silicone you complain about this the yes, silicone hot pads, right? Right, and and so and so they've got the little hole in them, so you can hang them up. And I can't help myself, but every time I use them, that hole gets positioned someplace where I burn myself on the damn thing. Um, and so I could buy different hot pads, or I could take a, a pair of uh, kitchen shears and cut that little bit off so that that hole, sec so that that just hole doesn't, doesn't. But no, I just put them back in the drawer just and keep dealing with time. it. <laughs> going out <laughs> and so i burnt myself for probably the 42nd time using the the silicone hot pad uh with the built-in burn yourself hole and i didn't learn a lesson um as well as your girls probably learned a lesson yeah and that's it they did learn the lesson i think well we only had three maybe burns so that's not too bad but yeah i, I, I think that's it i mean it's that practical hands-on kind of opportunity to to learn something and to take something from it and it's that self-risk assessment you know like it's that what you know how do I know what I can do and what I'm comfortable to do and what I feel safe in and how I can keep myself safe and I'll establish those parameters and I think that's what we try and do in early childhood settings but it just doesn't always quite come off because I think we're hesitant to to have that high level of trust you know there's a lot of educators who really are hesitant to have that high level of trust they say I believe children are capable and I believe children can you know take their own risks and all those sorts of things but we still micromanage it yeah those are those are, are very easy things to say they're yes. they're a little bit more Much challenging to, to put, into, put into practice yeah. um yeah. were how how far were the sheep away from the fire Oh, plenty. The sheep don't come anywhere near us. Um, they were actually in the same paddock, so the property's divided up into lots of paddocks, um, and they were in the same paddock that we were in, that we were camped in. Um, but as soon as we arrived, they headed off, and then every afternoon they'd, like, mosey on back up to where we were, and then they'd look, see us there, and then go again. It's like, like, oh, these people are still here. Still here. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no sheep were harmed in the making of this fire play. Would you... Are, are you are you friendly enough with your friends that if you wanted to you could have barbecued a sheep oh I don't know I don't know probably friendly enough with them I don't know that I could actually have done that no uh, uh, no throw no. another sheep it's on the bar it is really hard to make that connection with um eating lamb when you've spent time on a sheep farm it's very difficult well, well, well I would it, would it would make me want to eat lamb more <laughs> No, especially when there's babies. They're, and but they're they so look cute. so look. 
and listeners, if you're a longtime listener to the show, you know, my theory is that the cuter an animal, the more delicious it is, um, <laughs> which is, which is why, which is why lamb is so delicious. It's because they're, they're so cute um, and, and yummy with a little bit of mint jelly. Um, so no, That's a bit, it's a big no, not to eating lamb. I, I do eat lamb, but once I've been there, I have to like take time to distance from it because it's, yeah. So the, the kids get up to any other risky behavior, trying to ride the lambs. Um, oh, not a chance. Any... Um, they, they won't come close enough that you can ride them. Um, they Last time we were at, oh, the Christmas before when we were up there, we actually took the tray off an old ute. And what do you call it there? A utility. That would be a yeah, pickup. A, ute, a pickup, yeah. We took the tray off an old one of those and my husband hoisted it up into the tree and they turned it into a, like a viewing platform slash cubby house in the tree. Um, so that was good fun. Um, they swam across the dam this time. That was pretty risky for them. They felt risky with that because it's very unknown what's in the water. There's definitely turtles, but other than that, we don't know. There's snakes up there, but we didn't see any this time. Uh, but that's always a risk <laughs> as with most things in Australia that's always a risk yeah. Um, but yeah other than that that was kind of the main thing but that I tell you what that fire play kept them going for a long time no no drop bear attacks nothing like that no we're pretty pretty safe up there I think from that's the drop good. bear that's good yeah. um so how how are the kids enjoying uh how, how much longer is is left of uh of uh summer oh. holidays We've got a little bit over a week until they go back to school and I think they've enjoyed it, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready. So I'm ready. <laughs> of course you are. Um, talk to me a little bit about fire and early learning programs in, in Australia, because that's one thing I noticed in the, uh, the trips we made is there, the program seemed to be, and again, it was a self-selecting group of programs I got to yeah. visit, thanks to you, I know. <laughs> but um, there were programs who are actually into doing fire experiences yeah. with kids, um, so, which, which doesn't really happen a lot in the, in the States, in my experience. When I was a director of a center, um, Tash and I, my other half of Inspired, Tash and I were working together and um, we started investigating like lots of nature play kind of content and whatever and fire was one of those things that come up and eventually we kind of got around to it. We were really inspired by um, Claire Warden, lots of the forest school nature pedagogy stuff from um, Europe. Um, but I think the important thing here is well, for us is it's not fire for fire's sake. So it's not having a fire just because we can or because we think it's scary or because it will look interesting on Instagram. But what's our purpose? Are we cooking food with it? Are we, you know, experimenting with the charcoal that's left at the end? Um, I can still remember. So the service that I used to run, um, my kids went there as well after I'd finished up. And so I used to go back and visit. And I can remember arriving one day and it was late. And on a winter afternoon, I arrived to pick them up and um, Sage, the youngest, was only a baby. And um, I walked out to the playground and there was probably only probably about eight, eight children left and a couple of educators and they were all gathered around the fire and they were just sort of talking and they had this really relaxed, it was just beautiful. And one of the educators said, because I went off to get you know, bits and pieces, find everyone's shoes and hats and whatnot, one of the educators said, oh, pass me the baby. And, I did that and then when I walked back out, I couldn't help but take a photo because there's, you know, all these children and educators and my baby, I you know, perched around this fire just having a chat and kind of, I don't know, it just there was something that was very calm 
and beautiful about it. And there are services here that do that. There's a lot of services, like a lot of the playground jobs that we do. Um, so we do like design and development with a construction team um, of outdoor spaces. And um, a lot of those, they want fire pits in their space. Um, and some of that's cultural connection too, trying to um, connect to local Indigenous culture. Um, you know, fire played quite a part um, in most of the Indigenous culture and a lot of services are trying to kind of connect in a meaningful way with that. Um, so I think it's more prevalent, but there are there are a few services that I think do it really well and really meaningfully, and then there are some that it's a little more tokenistic. Um, but, again, that's just that's where they're at on their journey too. That's nothing really against them. It's just where they're at in that part of their journey so far and um i think it'd be nice to see it evolve a little bit more um and to see people using it with more intention again you know are you cooking with it what are you doing is it for storytelling or is it just because we can do it um down at our timbernook site we do um that like the children often will light a fire um, particularly we've got to be obviously mindful in the summer months um, we often have large periods of time where there's bushfire bands and whatnot so we can't have a fire um, but you know during winter in particular we have the fire going a lot and the children will often bring things for lunch that they can cook on the fire so they'll take sandwiches that they can toast and baked beans and you know soup and whatever and they can cook it on the fire um, but part of that is that they need to learn how to start the fire themselves and so they use like the flint and steel to actually learn that skill of starting the fire and it's really interesting to watch children you know experiment with that I still can't do it <laughs> it's just I struggle all the time and yet there's some children that pick it up really well and then go on to teach others so there's that really lovely learning experience and social experience yeah yeah I mean it, it's so powerful and then I mean talk about the learning it's a STEM, yeah. a STEM experience that that you talked about the seeing the, the whole crew sitting around the fire I mean we are we humans are wired to sit around a fire pit and tell each other stories and have conversations and build relationships. Our brains, yeah. our human brains grew up sitting yeah. around the fire talking. And so there is, I mean, just across the board, human culture is a, there's a connection to fire. And now yeah. uh, some of us have lost that because the closest we get to fire is the microwave. Yes. Um, but then there are, the, there are families and, and not just either in Australia or the States, not just indigenous families, but families period who are connected to nature and doing things like yeah. going out and camping and spending time around that fire. And so that's, that's, that's a, a bigger piece of, the culture of a lot of people then that maybe we give credit to and so, so figuring out a way to embrace that in our early learning settings is great and yeah. I, I love it's not easy but it's it's no. worth it I think it's one of those things that you know sometimes the things that we do with children that aren't easy are the things that are most worth it you know it's like it does take a little bit of extra forethought and it might take additional supervision that might mean that we need to have you know done risk assessments and all those sorts of things but what we get out of it and what we see the children get out of it makes it far more worthwhile than you know just doing the same old same old every day yeah yeah I just remembered uh that you talked about uh the charcoal and writing with the charcoal mm. um when uh when grandbaby was was you know three, four, five, when we had the fire pit going, she would, she would purposely charcoal 
a number of sticks so that after the fire went out, she'd have a collection of writing utensils until the yeah. next time we had a fire. And she would use yeah. it. She would use it in, in, in place of sidewalk chalk um, yeah. to, to do writing. And so part of, of her learning to write involved holding a, a stick of charcoal that she charcoal. made herself, which is which is a pretty awesome kind of kind of STEMI early emergent literary literacy kind of thing. So you know, that's that's kind of a warm fuzzy memory I have. Um, hey, fire is awesome. Uh, fire is awesome. Burning yourself isn't but, not so much. But I mean, the way you learn how to be resilient and not burn yourself the next time is to, to burn yourself a little bit. Um, I have high hopes for myself that <laughs> one day <laughs> that one day I'm going to be able to make Tasha cheesecake without burning myself. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I I kind of think it's the it's it's a pet the penance I pay for um, keeping those those uh those warring uh, those those uh uh hot pads around so you know what are you gonna what are you gonna do hey listeners if you're interested in fire coming up in the second half of 2022 nicole's buddy tosh is going to be doing a a training on fire and fire pits and fire pit safety and policy and making it work um if you're interested in that check out the explorations early learning website if you need more inspired ec in your world go to inspiredec.com uh there's all kinds of online stuff going on there and books and posters and fun stuff going on and uh, if you need Nora Nicole in your life she's going to be doing some trainings via the exploration site and she's always doing stuff via the inspired ec site any final thoughts before we wrap it up Nicole no I think that's it we managed to get through that without being interrupted by four children this is really impressive that's, that's pretty that's pretty it got a little bit louder uh than it, it did before we get started it, I, but but I, I think, think uh, they were getting food out of the cupboard. Yeah, I think we all. And that was why it was loud. <laughs> Listeners, if you heard children, I don't know how that's going to come through on the recording. If you heard children, that was children uh, burnt Australian but not bowed. children. Yes. <laughs> Australian children in the wild. In the wild. <laughs> in the wilds of my kitchen. <laughs> the wilds of Nicole's kitchen. Hey, listeners, join us next time. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.